On this edition of the Marcus Wall Show, some are moving up and some are moving out, just like Anthony, as Billy Joel once said. We're talking the Super Bowl aftermath and the player coach carousel. College hoops on its descent into madness. Local hoops water cooler talk, plus an NBA update and baseball springing into action. All this and much, much more is on the Marcus Wall Show, starting right now. Clear the mechanism. South Carolina high school sports can have 100 games on any given night, and that's 500 officials. Make the right call. Become a high school official. Be the difference maker in your community that your community needs. Visit highschoolofficials.com for more information. Welcome in and thanks for joining us on this edition of the Marcus Walsh Show from the Batcave. I am Marcus Walsh and Kevin Libby, the... Uh, owner of the Bat Cave. I almost said the host of the Bat Cave. The owner of the Bat Cave and co-host and my cohort in a, in multiple ventures uh, will join me as per usual here in just a few minutes. Happy Saturday, everybody. What a beautiful day it is here in the low country of South Carolina. We've got temperatures in the mid to upper 50s currently. Give you a little weather update. Uh, Right now, looking outside, bright blue skies, light breeze, beautiful day for uh, what is turning into being already a very fast-moving month of February. We're getting closer and closer to the madness of March. That's where I'm going to start with the monologue, talking March Madness. On ESPN.com, they've got the top 25 in the AP and coaches poll. I'm going to fly through these really quick, and then I'm going to break down the top 16 that were announced. That is the first four seeds for each of the regions, four teams obviously in each seed, and uh, so I'll talk about that, analyze those down a little bit. My final four, as you can recall, was Gonzaga, Purdue, Virginia, and uh, Gonzaga, Purdue, Virginia, I'm missing a team, but I'll think of it. Gonzaga, Purdue, Virginia, <laughs> and Kansas. And um, and all those four teams are in the top 16 at the moment, so I'll get into that in just a minute. But first, the AP Top 25, with Alabama currently ranked number one, Houston ranked number two, Purdue three, UCLA four, Kansas five, Texas 6, Virginia 7, Arizona 8, Baylor 9, Tennessee 10. They've got a big game with Kentucky currently going on on CBS right now. Marquette 11, Kansas State 12, Gonzaga 13, Indiana 14, Miami 15, Xavier 16, St. Mary's 17, Creighton 18, uh, Iowa State 19, UConn 20, San Diego State 21, TCU 22, NC State 23, Providence 24, Shout out to my good buddy, Chris, who uh, is in Savannah. Big Providence fan. And then FAU 25. Coaches poll. Alabama, Houston, Purdue, UCLA, Texas, Virginia, Kansas, Arizona, Baylor, Marquette, Tennessee, Gonzaga, Miami, Kansas State, Indiana, Xavier, SMC, St. Mary's. That's uh, ISU, Iowa State. Creighton, 
and San Diego State. And then the final six, 21 through 25, um, <laughs> apparently I can't do math. The final five, Providence at 21, NC State at 22, Connecticut at 23, TCU at 24, Texas A&M at 25, San Diego State there at 20 below Creighton. And so that's the way things look in the coaches' poll. And above that, the AP Top 25 poll. And as I had mentioned, they announced the top 16 teams. I watched this on ES on a CBS earlier. Did not watch College Game Day today, um, but did catch the top 16 on CBS. And it's pretty, pretty interesting, some of the matchups. And then they went over Jerry Palm's full bracket with CBS as it currently stands. I like to go with uh, Joe Lenardi for the full bracket. And uh, but I definitely check out CBS's top 16 reveal, and it's it's really well done with Greg Gumbel, Seth Davis, Clark Kellogg, and uh, and the like. Alabama is listed at the moment as the number one overall seed from the South. Houston is the second number one from the Midwest. Purdue is the third number one from the East, and then Kansas is the fourth number one from the West. The number twos go like this with Baylor, again, going from south, midwest, east, and west. Baylor, Texas, UCLA, and Arizona. The threes, Virginia, Tennessee, Iowa State, Kansas State. The fours, Indiana, Xavier, Marquette, and Gonzaga. The way things are looking at the moment, the SEC is is pretty top-heavy at the start of this with the top 16 teams overall. The Big 12 continues to do really well with teams like Kansas, Baylor, Texas in the mix. The Pac-12 has had really good play from some really good teams this year, UCLA, Arizona. Virginia's just been steady as they go for the last several years now, including winning a championship. And then you've got your smaller schools out of the Big East, Xavier, Marquette. Uh, You certainly have Gonzaga from the WCC. Um, things look really good. Houston as well. The last couple of years has been really strong. Indiana looks like the best team in the big 10 overall. I think, and, and I agree with a lot of people that say the big 12 is the best conference in basketball this year. Arguably they're the best conference. I think every year they're right in the mix. It's the big 12. It's the big 10. The sec is getting strength. The ACC used to be that every single year. They've kind of gone down a little bit. You've got Duke, as of Jerry Palm's bracketology update that he gave earlier, firmly in the field. There's there's very little chance that they're not going to make the field of 68. Right now, they were listed as a sixth seed and taking on USC, that'd be the, the University of Southern California, as the 11th seed. So they're firmly in the field. You've got North Carolina, who is 16 and 10, struggling They and Kentucky are on the outside of the 64, I believe, at the moment, looking like they might be in a play-in game either against each other or against somebody else. Um, At last check, I think it was somebody else. I think North Carolina was going to take on Texas A&M, and Kentucky was going to take on somebody else from from the field of four teams that, that were selected. Again, I like to view the full entire field in its 
order via Joe Lenardi on ESPN.com, but definitely go with CBS for the 16-team reveal. I think they're really the only ones that do it, if, if I'm being honest. Game day may catch uh, a little bit, and they probably have Joe Lenardi to break it down a little bit, but CBS does a really good job breaking that down for sure. So that's really the way things look in terms of that. Just 22 days away. Let's see, we're 22 days and like three hours away from Selection Sunday. It's unbelievable. That means I'm on my way to being 35 because I uh, I was born on the 13th. So right right around the corner. It's just, it's wild. Um, and, it's, and it's awesome. And I love this time of year. The fact that it's beautiful out. We're seeing some great golf on the PGA circuit as well. Been, been checking that out with the PGA going into its, uh, its swing from the southwest and making its way through the west. It's in California right now at uh, the Genesis at Riviera in Cali, and it's just been fun to watch really good players play really good golf. Not going to go into a super update about that, but it's the first time the last few weeks that I've watched golf for the first time in like six months since last year ended. It's great to see the guys back out and playing really well. And there's just, in my opinion, there's nothing quite like it. It's, it's been great. Um, I mentioned that I had family in town, still have a little bit of family in town, spending some time today in Savannah. Uh, my aunt and uncle from Canton, Greg and Denise, uh, were down. And they're actually probably by now in Amelia Island and uh, spending some time there. Great to see them hang out at the beach. And then I've got family from Charlotte that's here. And uh, they'll be heading back to Charlotte here soon. But had a, had a great time, you know, over the last week doing everything. Had a great time with the Mary G, uh, the Mary Green Corral event, the Mary Green Corral event that we had. Doing a little Valentine's Gala on Monday night. Had rehearsals for St. Luke's Anglican. Going to be singing there. Choral Society getting ready for the Mozart concert on March 31st. We'll be starting rehearsals for... MGC, the Mary Green Corral here very soon. Actually, this Monday, we start rehearsals for our upcoming concert or concerts in uh, in April, towards the end of the month of April. And more details on those as time continues. Sorry about that. I just hit, hit my mic with my glasses. Um, so there's a lot to get into and a lot more that I will detail as time goes on. Um, Want to give certainly a quick moment to... Uh, mentioned that today would have been my Uncle Bill's birthday. Um, today's also my Aunt Stevie's birthday. So in case I happen to send this to my Uncle Mick, happy birthday. And I, and I think I will do that, matter of fact. Happy birthday to my Aunt Stevie. Um, hope you're having a great day. And my Uncle Bill Maley, uh, this would have been his birthday as well. We celebrated uh, just in, in honor of my Grandpa Joe. My, my mom and uncles and I were, were talking about him because his birthday was the other day on the 16th, so Thursday. And uh, he's, he's one that I think about a lot. I've, I've mentioned on this show before his, his ritual, which I've, I've adopted, but it's been pushed back a little bit in terms of the time of things. He would always go to Mass at 7.15, and I also put this on Facebook Live the other day. He would always go to Mass Sunday mornings at 7.15, 
And then he would hit the golf course. I go to Mass at 9 o'clock, and then by 11 o'clock or a little bit later, I'm out there on the golf course as well. Super guy, uh, didn't have a chance to, to know him in the, in the physical realm as he passed before I was born, but great guy, my, my mom's dad. And uh, so I was thinking certainly of him and, uh, and I've been thinking of a lot of people these last several days for sure. More stories to come as, as time continues and, uh, and as we roll on throughout the year here on the Marcus Wall Show. Um, I think with that, that will about do it here for segment number one. Coming up, talking the Super Bowl update as Super Bowl 57 in the books. We're going to review it. We're going to talk the quarterback player coach carousel, as I mentioned in the open. We've got plenty of basketball on all three levels to uh, get to, as I, I guess I talked about one of them just moments ago with college, talking MLB spring training, and uh, certainly have plenty more to talk about as well. Kevin joins me next, as you'll hear some stuff from certainly TBMM Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, and Larry Jackamot giving you the VOs. That's what you'll hear next. When we return, it is segment two. We're talking the NFL next here on the Marcus Wall Show. Stick around. The music you hear on the Marcus Wall Show is provided courtesy of TBMM Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, for all things low country. Dial 843-715-1935. Back to the show. Marcus Walsh back here with you on the Marcus Walsh Show. Joining me from his humble abode, the Bat Cave. Batman. You know it. That's Kevin Libby. Um, I, I have to ask this question of you, Kev. Because we were just talking about dancing off the air as we were getting back on for the segment, and you did an impression that made me laugh. Have you seen, and because you now have CBS, correct? Or you're about to get it? I did the thing where you, in the local market here, the Savannah television market, I did the scan. I couldn't find it yet. I'm going to keep trying. Okay, if you haven't seen the show... And I'll have to go back and watch it from episode one till now at some point, maybe over the summer, um, when things slow down a little bit. You have to check out the show Ghost. Uh, it's actually Ghosts, G-H-O-S-T-S. It's like when we're in church, and I won't get too much into this, but when we're in church and we say hosts, S-T-S, S-T-S. <laughs> Y'all get my point. Um ghosts it's a very good show it's hilarious and you just did an impression that made me think of one of the characters named thor he's a viking thor like eagle wings and tears yeah he talks like this and he's big that sounds like me and he's got a beard sort of and it's you do i do his is far more impressive than mine he puts braids in it Thor. You'll have to check it out. For, the, for those of you that are listening, ghosts, check it out. Ghost plural, Thor. Does he carry a hammer? Uh, I have not seen Thor with hammer. Give him time. All right. I'm, I'm sure. 
let's let's move on. People are here for the football. That's right. Um, and we're going to talk plenty of football in this segment, segment number two. And uh, again, go CBS, check it out. The Arizona car. Actually, what am I thinking? We can talk, you know, the moves that have been made, whatnot. But first, we need to recap the biggest game of the year that was last week. You said that you watched the second half. I watched the entire game, including on my uncle's cell phone when our TV went out momentarily over at uh, at the island. Not not at my place, but we watched it at another set of condos there within the beach and tennis or near the beach and tennis. Um, what a game. What a game. The, the commercials, eh, they were okay. The halftime show, eh, it was okay. Rihanna sounded good, but... You know, eh. the game was terrific. And I felt like I hit my prediction about spot on with a couple of exceptions. The special teams out of Philadelphia early gave Philly the edge that I thought Kansas City was going to have. Butker missed that field goal late in the first quarter. And then uh, Elliott goes down and he knocks one in. Hertz fumbled the football, and it was just a, kind of a fluky play. He fumbled the football, and Kansas City picks it up, and they go in for the defensive touchdown. Other than that, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but other than that, it played out very similarly similarly to what I expected and what I posted on social 38-35 the final score. I said 37-34 KC. KC did win the game having, you know, soaked up those final seconds of the fourth quarter, kicked the field goal after the call inside two minutes. I get it was a holding penalty. I'm sure you saw it. But they had multiple chances, the referees did, to call much more aggressive, intrusive, and obvious fouls in the way of targeting earlier in the game in the fourth quarter and in the first quarter and beyond, and they didn't do it. So I really think they should have just let it play out. But back and forth this game went. Patrick Mahomes goes down uh, with another ankle injury, and we think, boy, oh, boy, he's going to have to get taped up, maybe get that thing shot up, and hopefully he's good to go in the second half. He was just tremendous. Pacheco was really good as well. The the kick return or the punt return was huge. You were telling me about. That's when I was watching it on my uncle's phone. I kind of stepped away for a few minutes. Um, And that was just tremendous. Philly gave it everything they had. And in particularly, Jalen Hurts gave it everything he had. Three rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in a Super Bowl. It's the most in Super Bowl history. The one player that had the record going into the game was Jim McMahon back in 86, who rushed it into the end zone twice. My guess was a little bit obvious. I said John Elway, um, which was a, a good guess, but wrong, and a lot of great guesses, but it was Jim McMahon. And... Really, I thought that Philadelphia was keyed a lot by what happened with the arm and the legs of one Jalen Hurts. I thought he was absolutely terrific. He's what made that team go. Defensively, they played really well. 
Offensively, the offensive line did really well. Some of those balls and catches that were made by like Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown had a great game as well, especially early. Um, it was what you expected out of Philadelphia. It's what you expected you know, out of Kansas City, especially with knowing that they had an injured player, an injured star in Patrick Mahomes. Um, but he came out and just played his butt off in the second half after being hurt. Coincidentally, after the game, the retirement of one Chad Henney. And, oh, by the way, I'm forgetting about one of the big stories throughout all the game, which was the Kelsey brothers. Travis was great. Jason's always been great blocking and, and, you know, being the center for whomever is the quarterback of that team. We're talking two tremendous players. I love the dynamic between those two, even though they weren't on the field at the same time. This, this was one of the best Super Bowls, despite that call in the last two minutes, that I think I've ever seen. It was absolutely awesome. Yeah, I'll agree with you on uh, it, it being extremely dramatic. I think the reason you guessed Elway is that helicopter tackle against the Packers in that Super Bowl. Remember that one? Yeah, and I think he rushed for a couple or maybe one in the Atlanta Super Bowl as well the following year. Great size quarterback, John Elway. Marcus, let's make sure that we can, for the fans here, uh, let them know that you're always honest. You think the commercials were just blasé? You see the one with the COVID dog? The the commercials, there there were a few. They got there, a dog during were... COVID, and he got used to the family, and then the family went away, and he got mad, and he tore stuff up in the house. And then they went to Amazon, and they bought a kennel, and the whole audience thinks this dog's going away. And what happens, Marcus? He's he's got a family. That, you're, you're telling that, me they got more dogs. Yeah, another that, dog. Yeah, that that commercial was great. I, I didn't I didn't mean that every commercial was bad. Okay, there there okay. were there were some, and I and I didn't clarify. You just it. wanted those Bud Light frogs, and they weren't there this week. I, I didn't I didn't clarify it. It's not Bud Light. It's Budweiser. Um, <laughs> Sacrilege. Forgive me. <laughs> the the commercials were just okay this year. There were a handful, or maybe ten, out of the entire you know, four hours that were really, really good and really, really clever and really, really funny. Um, I, I have to say it. Some people may scroll past the next few seconds, but I think arguably my favorite commercial, it helps that I heard about this at church earlier in the day, was the Adam and Eve commercial. I thought that commercial was great. Where they're, I mean, it was super clever. It was like, in the, I think it was in the first quarter. When I think Adam and Eve, I think of like adult products. Tell me more. Well, it was, oh, it was Adam and Eve, you know, they're in the, in the real world, Garden of Eden, you know, not clothed. And then towards the end of the commercial, and I'll have to go back and rewatch it because I didn't analyze the commercials as much as I analyzed the football game, obviously. Um, then they're walking around New York City. Well, I'll show it to you, you know, at a break. Um, if you happen to see it or not see it, just type it in, check it out. I thought it was funny. Um, I, I thought it was really funny. There, there were a few others. I liked, I liked the commercials with, um, Steve Martin and who was the other one? Ben Stiller. I thought those were really well done. You know, very subtle humor, but those two guys are absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, I thought 
I thought there were, you know, a handful, two handfuls, maybe 15 commercials out of all the commercials that were that were really well done. But overall, in the product of commercialization for the Super Bowl, it was just, eh, it was just okay. The game, though, outstanding. All right. And moreover, your meh approach to that Super Bowl had nothing to do with the fact the game had to be watched for a short time on a telephone. And just to be clear, before social media attacks, uh, Rihanna is a strong and vibrant pregnant woman. And it's not that she's not wonderful and that performance wasn't great. It's that it just wasn't as good as the Queen Bee, Beyonce, when she brought was it Jay-Z? Right. And I've, I mean, to, to learn about Rihanna afterwards um, is, you know, tremendous and, and whatnot. I'm, I'm not trying to slight Rihanna by, by any stretch. But if you do think that Marcus was trying to slight Rihanna, uh, you should probably start a fight with the Bayhive because they would more likely be here for it. There you go. Um, any other additional thoughts from what you saw in the second half of the football game? I texted you in the third quarter when uh, Casey was down 10, look out for Andy and Pat, and they took over. That, and That was the start of the third, and I said, you're spot on. You're absolutely right. Great offense beats great defense, and Philly had a great defense. And Jalen Hurts is, is going to be around for a long time. You know, the kid had a heck of a game, heck of a year. And so is Pat Mahomes. I actually think that we could see this matchup again, I mean, maybe next year. But I'm thinking more like a couple years down the road, um, get get Jalen a little bit more time. Not that he needs more time to season up a little bit, but you know, with each passing year, I think he's going to get better. And that Philadelphia team's really good. They are really good, and I think that they have a great chance to win the NFC East again next year. Um, it's it's going to be a matchup that we'll see again down the line in the next few years. Uh, for sure. Anything else that you want to add with the with the Super Bowl? Oh, it was just super fun. Philadelphia is a great sports town, and Kansas City um, is going to get compared to the greatest dynasties of all time because that's where they're getting to dynasty, including the one that you have on your head, being that you're wearing a New England Patriot cap because they had a tremendous tremendous run as as an NFL dynasty as well. Yeah, they talk about you with the Cowboys and the Steelers and a little bit of that perfect team. You know, Larry Zonka, you know, Don Shula Dolphins. Um, it's going to be fun. For sure. Let's move on to the coaching carousel. Holy cow. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, coming from Philadelphia. That's one thing that Philadelphia will have to really address, the fact they lost a couple of coaches. Uh, Ryan Nielsen, a couple weeks back, hired as the defensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. Todd Munkin, offensive coordinator, Baltimore Ravens. Look out for that. Um, that's huge. I really like what Carolina did getting Frank Reich as their head coach. Ajiro Evero, defensive coordinator. Thomas Brown as well, offensive coordinator. Jim Schwartz, hired by Cleveland. Been a while since we've heard anything on him. He's with the Browns. Brian Schottenheimer, offensive coordinator with Dallas. Of course, certainly... Um, his name is escaping me, the former OC. Marty? No, the former OC in Dallas, who's now in L.A. with the Chargers. Um, former quarterback. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, Kellen Moore. He, uh, he's, you know, served his time, did really well overall, but 
change of scenery there, I think, will be good. Sean Payton, boy, just in general, I'm hoping that he can get Russell Wilson right. He is the new head coach, of course. Broncos and Saints made a trade. He's heading on his way. We mentioned D'Amico Ryans, the HC in Houston. Matt Burke, defensive coordinator. I'm assuming they're talking about the former guy that played for Minnesota and uh, was the Viking. Again, another Thor reference with the Vikings. Uh, (laughs) The Indianapolis Colts get Shane Steichen as their head coach, offensive coordinator for Philadelphia for a time. And so that's a that's a nice hire. Mentioned the Chargers with Kellen Moore. He's got a chance to work some really good things there. Mike LeFleur is the offensive coordinator with the Los Angeles Rams. Vic Fangio back in the mix and coaching with the Miami Dolphins is their DC. Brian Flores going from Miami and then away from the game for a bit to Minnesota as their defensive coordinator. He was in Pittsburgh. Oh, I stand corrected. Thank you for for educating the folks and myself, as you like to say all the time. Bill O'Brien, he was the defensive assistant for the Steelers and linebackers coach. Thank you, Kev. Uh, Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator for your New England Patriots. Joe Woods, defensive coordinator for the Saints. Okay, We'll, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it goes a little bit better in New Orleans than it did in Cleveland. Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator for the New York Football Jets. Tell you what, we'll talk about the quarterback carousel here in a second. I think I think Aaron Rodgers may be heading back with his buddy Nathaniel Hackett. Steve Wilkes, very good coach for a lot of years. Former head coach with the Arizona Cardinals. He is off to uh, the 49ers. Um. Yeah, as their defensive coordinator. The, that's the plan. It is not etched in stone at the moment, this according to NFL Network. And the insiders, Tom Palisario and Ian Rappaport. Uh, so, Wilkes, a very good coach. Ron Carthon and Tim Kelly, gen- general manager and offensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans as of the 17th of January. And then a big... Big move happening just a couple of days ago. Eric Bieniemy leaving Kansas City after the Super Bowl win and heading to Washington to be the new OC with the Commanders. Past five years, a couple of Super Bowls for Bieniemy. Also carry the title under Ron Rivera of assistant head coach. That's a big deal for Eric Bieniemy, and it's it's good for him to get a little bit of an extra bump in his in the way that he does things. He's a very good coach on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, you build coaches that can coach coaches, and uh, NFL's got a lot of them, and good culture, Ed. Um, and now we're looking at interviews that took place. I think we're we're good. Is there uh well, there are a few inter- – uh, there are a few scenarios that have not been completed yet. Um, another – couple of people are going to take second interviews. Um, but, there's, I mean, that's just the coaching carousel. It's its wild. And we had talked about the quarterback carousel being really the main focus of free agency. Aaron Rodgers, you got Derek Carr, and then you have 
uh, Lamar Jackson, I think there's a chance that Lamar Jackson ends up in Atlanta. There could even be a chance that Derek Carr ends up in Atlanta. I would be pretty surprised if neither one of them ended up that way. Um, I think there could be a chance that Aaron Rodgers goes to Vegas and plays with the Raiders, but I think there's an even better chance that in the next few years, he gets the Jets to a great place, and that's ultimately where I think he will end up, is New York. Where in the world will these quarterbacks go? What say you, Kevin Libby? Tyreek Hill to go from Kansas City to Miami to then sign a whole bunch of money was what, five first-round picks? Yes, indeed. So it's the second most important position in football now that the uh, blindside tackle is not getting paid as much. Um, hmm. You're probably talking about seven to eight picks for Rodgers, who's going to be approaching 40. So that's your entire draft capital for the better part of a decade for one or two years of a competitive offense. It's quite a swing to make because, again, Rodgers is under contract with those Packers. It's going to be wild. Um, it's going to be wild for sure. And there's scenarios and, and more scenarios flying out. I have a question about the draft. Because I've heard people say that Chicago may go a different way at quarterback. And I've heard this via multiple sources, multiple TV stations, etc. Read it from multiple places as well. What do you think the Chicago Bears are going to do? Do you think they're going to get rid of fields and end up going with a new fresh quarterback out of the draft? Oh, if I was a betting man, I'd say they're going to trade the pick. I mean, why wouldn't you if you have your quarterback set, your money's right, set the right there? You can, uh, you know, obviously add free agents around that. I would make a value move and then sell that top five pick. And, you know, the value picks are going to be in your second and your third round, especially for a team like Chicago where one player is not going to change a 50-player culture. And they need so much other stuff around whomever their quarterback is. Justin Fields has only gotten better, in my opinion, from the day that he stepped onto that field and stepped into the locker room to now. For them to trade him to go after a young quarterback, whomever that might be, I think is absolutely ridiculous. There's no way if I'm Chicago, I'm trading Justin Fields. No way. It just it kind of blows my mind. Um, I, I think that he has a chance to be the answer with that team. Right now, again, we're talking Ryan Wilson and Chris Trapasso from, the, uh, from Twitter and via CBS sports.com the NFL mock drafts that we referenced uh, a few weeks ago right now Bryce Young for both guys is headed from Alabama to Houston I like it and both in the second round uh, second pick overall uh Will Anderson is going four to Chicago from Alabama according to is that Trapasso on the right there thank you it is and C.J. Stroud from Ohio State going to Indianapolis fourth, courtesy of Ryan Wilson. Jalen Carter is listed going third from J. 
Georgia to Arizona. I like that. Courtesy of Trapasso and Carter going, ooh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Could you imagine, as Ryan Wilson suggests, Jalen Carter going fifth to the Seattle Seahawks to have Jalen Carter and Puna Ford on that D-line? Wow! That would be a lot of fun to watch. I almost hope that happens. That would be so much fun to watch, and I'm not even a Seahawks fan. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just geeking out seeing that. That'd be amazing. Uh, Anthony Richardson going from, uh, from, from Chicago to Indy via the University of Florida and Trapasso's uh, mock as number one. And they do not have him in the top five from Wilson. Wilson has Will Anderson out of Alabama going to Chicago. I like that a lot. Um, what what catches your eye out of some of these top early projections, courtesy of uh, CBS.com? I like that Trapasso argument about what's more valuable, Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young. Hmm... What would you do? I think I would go, in the case of the way he set his mock draft up, I think, and it's the way both these guys set it up, I think Anderson and Young will go 1-2. I just, I really think that'll happen. And I think I, I like a little bit better what Ryan Wilson has pointed out with Anderson going one from Alabama to Chicago and Bryce Young going two from Alabama to Houston. Um, I, I like that setup. You know that I love the Jalen Carter projection as I just kind of geeked out a moment ago, him going to Seattle. Oh, gosh, that'd be awesome. Um, I'm interested. Joey Porter Jr. going to Atlanta on the left, and that's... Uh, that's Wilson. And then on the right, he has, if you can scroll back towards the top, Kev, he has C.J. Stroud going eighth out of Ohio State to Baltimore. So he has Atlanta trading the pick down. Yeah, correct. He's he's going from, ah, shoot. Um... I clicked onto something. Ah, here we go. Trying to see where he has Atlanta picking. Um, he doesn't even have Atlanta picking in the first round. Yeah, he's got him trading out. Interesting. So he has him trading that pick away into rounds two or beyond. Um, other guys to to keep in mind. I think a lot of people are interested, for sure although there are only a few quarterbacks in how they're going to fit with the quarterback carousel as it is. Um, seems like that and and some guys on the front half of the defense are, are what people are really intrigued and, and interested in at this point. Well, I, I think, to your point, the quarterback is the most important solitary position. Every team's going to get their number one quarterback right up front, best they can. Um how valuable is Anthony Richardson for a winning team in contrast to 
you know, a, a Matt Ryan. So if you're the 49ers right now, let's say that Brock Purdy's really hurt and you have to sign a quarterback, um, are you going after even like a, a Derek Carr? What do you think? With with San Francisco, and I was just mentioning this to you, it's a little bit of a different situation because Love has had more playing time, but and with the fact as well that the starting quarterbacks are in a little bit of a different crossroads. I think that Jimmy G would stay in San Fran. I think he's got a chance to possibly nab that job. I I almost think that Lance might look for greener pastures. I, I really do. I think it's between Jimmy G and Brock Purdy in that situation. Um, and it would be really interesting to see certainly what happens there. I mentioned I think Atlanta has a really good chance to possibly grab Carr or Lamar Jackson. I mentioned where I think uh, Aaron Rodgers will end up. What's what's your thoughts on those other two quarterbacks outside of Rodgers? Because I don't think you had mentioned anything on those yet. We'll see where the money goes. And again, you try to value these top picks in the draft against money. If you're the Bears, you know, would you trade up and get? I'm excuse me. Would you trade down and get what you need in terms of depth versus the value of a an edge rusher? So um, think about it from like the Cleveland Browns when they took Miles Garrett up front. Did it really change the team the way you wanted it to change? Um, Depends how happy you were, obviously, with, with Baker Mayfield. But your quarterback's the most important position. I think some team will go crazy to trade Bryce, you know, probably get Bryce Young one, or they really fall in love with Anthony Richardson. They'll overpay, and then we'll have a whole new culture in a whole new way under a quarterback that's probably not worth the price. Here's a team that I've dabbled and mentioned a little bit, um, dabbled with some ideas and, and that type of thing. What about Miami? Because they certainly have Tua. You know, on on the surface, he had some good days at Alabama. He's had some good days at Miami, not very many in my opinion, because he's just not, unfor- unfortunately, he's just not that dependable um, because he's not available, because he's hurt. Uh, might be a case scenario where one of those guys possibly ends up in Miami or Miami drafts a quarterback. Where are they selected? And, and they just came to me. The Dolphins did, um, and all of the menagerie of things that are going on uh, within the mock drafts and whatnot. So it looks like they neither of these guys have them uh, as a projected well, pick for the first round. They Tyreek trade, right? Correct. So they probably don't have a uh, a first round pick as it stands. Do you think they possibly trade up and and try to make a move? At QB, or do you think that Tua is their guy? I I think I might go the other way if I was them, honestly. And it's nothing against Tua, but it, if if he doesn't get moved, this is a make or break year, I believe, for Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, their owner brought in Tom Brady because of how much they trusted Tua. The just just you know when he was younger and cheaper. Um, I I think yeah, Tua's a liability, and they'll sign a veteran quarterback, and he'll be their starter. Just like Trey Lance is going to be a starter next year. Don't know if it's going to be in San Francisco, but, you know, these guys. It could be Miami. Ooh, maybe just maybe. Go from go from sunny San Francisco with palm trees to sunny Miami with palm trees. I mean, it could happen. I, I kind of like that idea that I just threw out there. 
Yeah, quarterbacks. Again, it's how much do you want to value the first overall pick in the draft and a rookie quarterback that will take you three to five years to develop, but on that sweet, sweet rookie contract versus a veteran quarterback like a Marcus Mariota placeholder style. Derek Carr, at this point, maybe a placeholder. Still probably a top 15 quarterback, but he's your Drew Cousins of uh, quarterbacks. What do you think about Atlanta in terms of where they might go with their quarterback situation? I, I don't think that Ritter, pardon me, I don't think Ritter's quite ready yet. And obviously Mariota's not there anymore. What do you think that goes in? I've, I've said, obviously, either Carr or Jackson for me. Yeah, I think just like when they were in the Dome, they're uh, attractive to veteran quarterbacks who like to play indoors. And obviously, you have probably the third best tight end in football, and he's on his you know second or third year in the league. Um, yeah, it's a very attractive spot for a quarterback, assuming you have the right offensive coordinator and the right system in place. How much do you like the infrastructure? I, I think it's going to be a while before Atlanta becomes a contender again. But I think they're working at it. I, I think the coaching staff definitely is working at it. They're, you know, hovering around that 500 spot, looking for a big jump. And I think either one of those quarterbacks certainly would be a doggone good fit. Um, certainly more to talk about as far as the draft goes within the next couple of months as the draft will be in late April, early May. Uh, anything else that you want to add to uh, the menagerie of football talk that we had? Did you catch any of the Pro Bowl stuff from – a couple weeks ago, I didn't either. Um, anything else? Kyle Pitts right now or Tony Gonzalez year four? Who you got? Oh, jeez. I like them both an awful lot. Um, <laughs> year four, Tony Gonzalez was still certainly in Kansas City. Um, gosh, this is tough. I... With Pitts, you know, getting hurt, I I think we'll we'll see what happens. I'm going to give the slightest slightest of edges to Tony Gonzalez at this moment, just because we know Pitts had some injury issues this past year. But I like them both an awful lot. Those new glasses, they they look stylish. I like them. Thanks. They uh they've got are they dark dark blue frames looks like they are and then the uh, for for being a play-by-play man i'm not describing these very well dark blue frames with some uh some pink on the outside they they look sharp they, they go well with your uh, greg norman shirt thank you thank you i like this shirt uh it's a little bit like rosy edging because i see the world through rose colored glasses ah there you go uh it's it's gonna be fun you know trying to figure out where all these guys go within free agency and certainly within the draft that's coming up in the next couple of months. It's going to fly by. It's February 18th. It's crazy. The year is flying by already. A lot of stuff to, uh, to talk about as we continue, and we're going to continue that next. When we return here on the Marcus Wall Show, after you hear some pearls of wisdom from Tyler Brown and Lord Jackamot, courtesy of some music and voiceovers, we are going to talk in the next segment about the NBA. We're going to also give our impressions from the high school ranks here in the Low Country and more in terms of, uh, of college as well. Maybe I'll pick Kevin's brain, put him on the spot a little bit. We're talking basketball next on the Marcus Wall Show. Stay
Stay right there. Recently, the NFHS partnered with Crisis Text Line to encourage mental health support for teens across the country. While we know participation in activity programs is beneficial to mental health, sometimes young people need another outlet, particularly at this time of year. At any time of the day, students in need can text the keyword SHIELD to 741-741 to receive help. The goal is to provide all teens with text-based mental health support so they never feel alone. We are thankful to be involved in the greatest programs in the world, education-based high school athletics and performing arts. But during these celebratory times, let's be sure to take care of each other. Welcome back in to the Batcave. Marcus Walsh, Kevin Libby with you. And uh, there's no Alfred sighting as of yet. Batman and Robin, we're definitely here at the Batcave. I have to go back. Again, this is a bit off tangent, but before we start this segment, was that something that, was that a name that you created within the show? Or just, it was, was it you and Tyler that came up with that? Inform the folks. So Tyler Brown, who does the music, is Batman. And everywhere Tyler goes becomes, you know, his vehicle is the Batmobile. Uh, that's the shagging wagon that he had that would carry all the equipment. Um, he, Tyler's a video producer as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was just really fun about making, like, everything the Bat Place. And, uh, yeah, Tyler would stay with me a bunch, and he always called it the Bat Cave. And so uh, I rolled with that, and so that's what we call our, our little studio when we make stuff. That's that's right. And And the other studio, which... We haven't been to in a while. I'm there a lot, but it's the dude pad that would be my place on on Hilton Head. Um, that's right. I, I forgot about that with with you and Tyler. And you guys go back, you know, quite a way. Certainly before I met you or him. Um, yeah, un un poco, <laughs> as they say in Espanol. Uh, hope everything. While I'm thinking of it, hope everything's going well with the Ratia family, Gustavo, our our good buddy. While I while I speak Espanol, a lot of the times when I speak Espanol, I think of Gustavo. Um, cheers to him. Definitely plan on seeing him hopefully here real soon. Uh, we will move on to the NBA and talk a little professional round ball rock. Man, do I love that theme music. Again, I knocked my uh, glasses with my microphone. Sorry about that, folks. Some, some big trades that were made throughout the course of the trade deadline. And I tell you what, there, there was a big one that was made even before, well before the trade deadline. That's the Lakers getting Rui Hachimura from the Wizards, along with uh, Kendrick Nunn going from the Lakers to the Wizards. A conditional 2028 second-round pick, 2029 second-round pick. As well, really the, oh, I was unaware that there was an extra player in the Mavericks deal February 6th. Very interesting. Kyrie Irving obviously took all the headlines. Markeith Morris to the Mavericks as well. The Nets got Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, along with the 2029 first-round pick and two future second-round picks. What are your thoughts, first off, because this happened 
you know, since we had last done a show, your thoughts of that trade between Dallas and Brooklyn? I think Brooklyn probably had a better offer from Los Angeles and then moved based on personality and spite Kyrie to Texas. T- Kyrie wins. There's no state income tax in Texas. He, d- he got what he wanted. He's going to be very happy. And with Markeith Morris being part of that deal, I literally didn't know. I apologize. I literally did not know that he was part of that deal until I just read it off of NBA.com, courtesy of my phone. Um, holy smokes. That, that's going to be interesting, too, how things mesh, certainly with Kyrie and Luka. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Brooklyn, <clears throat> pardon me, Brooklyn is just a dumpster fire. They get rid of Kyrie, and then they turn their sights and get rid of one Kevin Durant, which was the just bombshell of the night with the trade deadline happening here recently, courtesy of February 9th, ESPN.com's Adrian Wojnarowski. Try saying that five times fast. Three-plus tumultuous years, a second trade request in eight months. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Kevin Durant traded from Brooklyn to the Phoenix Suns, package that includes Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jai Crowder, Four unprotected future first-round picks that was announced last Thursday, courtesy of Woj and uh, and the teams. The deal landed in the late-night hours ahead of Thursday's 3 p.m. deadline. Durant and T.J. Warren were shuffled and shuttled to the Suns for a massive haul of first-round picks, 2023, 25, 27, 29, and a 2028 pick swap. And... There was a lot more that went on with this deal, but it really makes my thought of Phoenix ending up as the uh, the team to go out of the West to the NBA Finals. It's looking better and better by the moment. Uh, and, and maybe I, I said that I thought there was more um, out of the deal. It was it was a great one, nevertheless. I mean, they put a price point on Kevin Durant. That's ridiculous. Obviously, it was a clash of personalities with Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. And it was like, what, 17 wonderful games they played together? And now they're the, the greatest that never was. Um, Kyrie's poison. We'll see how Luka does with that. And with apologies, you know, uh, Kevin's on the best team in basketball right now. So... Nobody in New Jersey, or I'm sorry, nobody in Brooklyn really got done dirty because, uh, again, one's got a state with no income tax and the other one's on probably the most likely team to win the NBA championship this year. Um, and they got a bunch of tricks. They got a bunch of picks. So look out for Brooklyn in five years. Maybe, just maybe. You never know. Uh, the Suns also got Darius Baisley from the Thunder or Dario Saric, a 2029 second-round pick, and cash considerations as well. Lakers get Mo Bamba, Devon Reed, and a second-round pick for Thomas Bryant in a trade February 9th. Patrick Beverly ended up going uh, to Orlando and then off to... uh, Was he off to L.A.? or He's in Orlando, 
as of as of the moment. I, I believe Bev got bought out. I, uh, I haven't seen if he landed, oh, but I, yeah. The other big deal that happened, Russell Westbrook on his way to Utah. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt uh, go to L.A. Minnesota gets Mike Connolly, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a 2024 second-round pick swap via the Los Angeles Lakers, via the Utah Jazz, a 2025 second-round pick, and a 2026 second-round pick, also via the Jazz. The Jazz receive Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, and a first-round pick via the Los Angeles Lakers in 2027. And that was obviously a big move as well. The Cavaliers ended up picking up a player that ended up getting bought out, and that was one Danny Green. So Danny Green is back in the wine and gold, or as Michael Regai used to say, the wine and gold. And uh, so Danny Green back in Cleveland saw him in a little bit of action the last couple of days. And then the news just popping up today about the Cavaliers and Kevin Love officially working on a buyout and the fact that Kevin Love is going to be headed elsewhere, had a great career in Cleveland, um, won the championship, obviously, in 2016, and he is on his way. Their saying reports are that it could be Philadelphia. I think that's the strongest contender now. I've also heard Miami, but it looks like definitely somewhere out east once again for Kevin Love and a, uh, a tremendous career with the Cleveland Cavaliers, in my opinion, for one, Kevin Love, and they've, it was a great fit. I always liked young Kevin Love on the T-Wolves. He was a big who could 3 and D. He could really shoot from the corner. He was part of that early evolution of the game, which got away from the grit and grind and towards where you could have a really high-talent four that can see the floor and be part of a spread offense where you know, you're shooting the three-pointer more than you're taking the contested mid-range jump shot. Uh, his time in Cleveland was special. Obviously, that was the trade that sent Wiggins, the first overall pick, uh, to Minnesota, where he was terrible. And, of course, he rejuvenated himself as a Golden State Warrior. But Kevin Love, not done yet. He'll wind up on a contender, and he'll uh, keep spreading the floor and being seven feet tall. Will he get his number retired in Cleveland? He won a ring there. I absolutely think he will. For sure. Uh, John Wall to the Rockets. Danny Green initially went to the Rockets and then went off to Cleveland. Luke Kennard to the Grizzlies. And Eric Gordon and three future second-round picks to the Clippers. That was part of a three-team trade that happened earlier this month. Cam Reddish, Matisse Thibault, and Ryan Archidiacono from Villanova. With a little bit of Arricini. Uh that's, that's rice balls, by the way. Um, I've heard they're delicious. I've never tried them. Uh, he's off to, they're all off to Portland for a guy by the name of Svi Mikhailiuk, Mikhailiuk, 2023 second round pick from Philly, a 2027 second round pick from Portland, and, uh, certainly a few other Moves that were made, Mason Plumley to L.A., the Clippers, for Reggie Jackson in the 2028 second-round pick. Jay Crowder, I mentioned that move earlier. George Hill, Serge Ibaka, and Jordan Nawara were on the other end of that, going to Indianapolis. 
Jay Crowder going to Milwaukee. Um, certainly mentioned the Suns move, but that was Kevin Durant, TJ Warren for Michael Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Juan Pablo Vallet, or Vallet, a 2023 first-round pick from Phoenix, 25 first-round pick from Phoenix, 27 first-round pick from Phoenix, first-round pick swap in 2028 from Phoenix, and a second-round pick swap from Milwaukee in 28, first-round pick from Phoenix in 29, and a second-round pick from Milwaukee in 2029 as well. Any uh, any other interesting notes that you've been following along? I, I saw the news that your Celtics have a new head coach. And uh, uh, I want to say Udoka, is that it? what's What was your former head coach's name? It's Ime, yeah. Ime Udoka, yeah. Um, he's out in Boston. What What are your thoughts with the revamped look of the Celtics now? I mean, they're still one of the best teams of basketball. Yeah, I think it was a formality. Uh, my impression is they went through an HR process with respect to Ime, and um, just like they did to start the year, I hope they put it behind them. They're winning, and winning is quite a good cure-all. It certainly is. It's going to be an interesting next few months for sure um, in terms of what happens within the world of high school or uh, certainly the next couple of weeks with high school, but the world of the NBA and certainly college as well. Uh, We are going to now talk a little bit of high school basketball. I got a little bit ahead of myself just then. What a year of what a month of basketball we saw on WHHI TV. Check out Loco Sports. Um, they've got you know a bunch of stuff going out via print, via social media, um, doing their podcasts and whatnot. Justin Jarrett, Wes Kerr, Will White, and Rob Benson are covering it like a blanket, as you like to say, on Loco in terms of all the teams that are making their move from the Low Country and the surrounding areas deep into the playoffs, both SCHSL and Skiza. I'm going to be on Talk of the Town over the next couple of weeks, a couple of times, to break down Skiza first because their season's going to end first. And then I'll talk the SCHSL uh, next week. So I'll be on uh, back-to-back weeks to talk that. Um, also, real quick, we've got the DRI, which we'll be doing some stuff for, certainly at WHHI. The Heritage is coming up, but... Real quick, uh, just wanted to give a quick update on those. But these these games that we saw on these teams, unbelievable basketball action from from all angles. What what really stood out to you? And hopefully uh, you've been able to catch these games on WHHI TV. If not, do check them out because they're going to be tremendous. It was a super fun season. DRI, for those not yet informed, is the Darius Rucker Invitational. It is actually the Darius Rucker Intercollegiate. Excuse me. It's a golf tournament. And, uh, yeah, he's the best voice in, in – I still think he – I would call him soul. But, you know, the guy from Hooting the Blowfish. He's great. Um, high school sports is super fun. We got to see some great gymnasiums. Got to see some amazing cultures. There were lots of signs this season, which always gets me excited. I like to think – I don't know if this is always the case. I like to envision that uh, to start a school day, there's still, like, morning announcements or morning radio. And I like to think that on the, the Friday, which is game day – they announced that WHHI is recording the game because we get lots of signs. Again, I don't know if they're just for us. Sometimes I just think we're, we're you know, important. But I love the signs and I love the participation. The student sections were great. The cheerleaders were great. Um, I like the culture, Marcus. That was the best thing for me. 
I've said it before, and the fact that we had so many really close matchups down to the wire was just outstanding. Teams rising to the top, um, being being a part of all the environments were great. One thing that I'll talk about, and I'll certainly go more into depth on Talk of the Town, and you can catch Loco's reactions to, to the teams and how they're doing throughout the playoffs, but I talk about the people mm-hmm. a lot. We both do. The interviews that you were able to conduct, certainly with, um, with the MVPs of the guys' games, we were able to touch on and we were able to talk about the key players, although we did not have an MVP for the girls' games. Um, we were able to talk about those folks. I just did an interview last week that is currently on the WHHI website and circling through the, the social media webiverse, if you will, with Courtney Campbell, and I was so impressed with her. I mean, she's a sophomore, and she's so well-spoken, and she's a great leader. She's, she's working hard in all aspects of her game and just a tremendous young player. And to have those stories be a part of the broadcast and then just – Having you and and in past times certainly in other sports me talk with other coaches um, and and the players that that really shine and that's that's the whole thing is that we want to uh, you know hype these players and and the coaches and the families and all of that and and make them you know the stars through through our voices and whatnot um, it's just a great experience for sure great season. Um, looking forward to bigger and better things as we, you know, get ready for golf and then football and then uh, basketball again. So Daniel Court will join me for for uh, football, and then you'll be back next year for basketball for sure. Um, one thing that we did this year in a couple of circumstances, there was one girls game that we did this and then one boys game that we did this, was that I was joined in the third quarter by a guest and certainly want to thank you for, you know, your your wisdom and uh, and your idea with that uh, along the way as well. Had Daniel Godson on in the third quarter of the first game that we did between Hilton Head and Bluffton, it was a great rivalry game, a lot of really close-knit girls with that, and being that he was one of, you know, the guys that followed a lot of those girls, kind of a, a coach without being the title, an assistant coach without having the title of assistant coach for Hilton Head. Um, was obviously tremendous. Deja Godson, his daughter, plays on Hilton Head. And and then we had the great, and I mean great, Jerry Faulkner on in the third quarter of the Hilton Head Christian Academy, Hilton Head prep game. And I've interviewed Jerry multiple times now, and he is just a wealth of experience, of knowledge. Um, one of the most classy guys as well, that I've been around since being down here in the low country in terms of coaches, and, and they've all been great. But he just raises it to another level, and I'm I'm really excited for y'all to hear what I was talking with Jerry about. It was it was an awful lot throughout that third quarter, as was the case with Daniel. So that's something new that we did this year a couple of times, additionally. But just having you know the crew that we have to give us information and and work cohesively with is just terrific, and I had a blast with you, buddy, and hopefully uh, we'll have you on the football field at some point coming up because that's the next major sport, obviously, that we'll be on-site calling. But, again, golf will uh, will take center stage a little bit. 
There may be some more things in the works, but we'll we'll get there when we get there um, as well. Just a great season. Again, one thing that really I was very amazed with as well was how close these games were. The action, you know, for the most part was terrific. We got to go out to Bridges Prep to the Caffeinasium uh, and and catch out some some basketball on the uh, the linoleum floor and you know catch some great action between Whale Branch and Bridges Prep, two teams that I had never seen before. Obviously, we got to go to Kirkland Court. That's always great. Coach Pacirico Court, Bacala Gymnasium at Hilton Head Prep. That's always great. We uh, we made our rounds and it was just a phenomenal. Phenomenal month of basketball that we called. It was, it was a lot of fun and and a lot of great work. And as they say, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Just a tremendous season, and we certainly wish everybody in SCHSL and in Skeezer the best of luck moving forward into the playoffs. We'll be breaking those matchups down and whatnot because so far things have been a little bit tough, both girls and guys losing some really talented teams in the early portion of the playoffs including the Hilton Head girls. That was a, a very, very good team, very solid. And uh, so we'll see how things end end up and wind down. You'll be able to catch it through Justin Jarrett, Wes Kerr, the Loco guys, myself, and, uh, and others to wind down the basketball season, which will officially wind down in the next couple of months, uh, next couple of weeks with both Skiza and the SCHSL. You know, if you're a high school student, there's some things you can control and there's some things you can't. Game one we covered this year, there was a kid who transferred from, it was, it was Hilton Head High School versus Bluffton, right? Game one. And his bus route changed, so he went from Hilton Head High School as a Seahawk to becoming a Bluffton Bobcat. And there was a sign trolling him on the Hilton Head sidelines. And our predecessor who called games, the current news lead, senior anchor, WHHI, Bob Stevens, great sports background, told me, if you read the signs, you only encourage the signs. And it was on this season that I then, three games later, read a whiteboard without actually reading it first that said, your mom dribbles balls better than you do. And then had to backtrack and, and pretend like, or, or authentically, say, I don't get that one. Justin Jarrett loved that. He actually gave us a shout-out, and, and we shout them out for, for everything that they do. He, he gave us some great compliments, and I was tweeting with him uh, about a week, week and a half ago. He said, man, that, that partner of yours, Kevin Libby, he's just great. Oh, go on. He, he loved it. Um, Justin, thanks so much for the compliments. Certainly couldn't do this without you. And, by the way, in addition to what he does for Loco, he does the last night and last weekend in the Loco uh, on WHHI TV, as part of the headlines, the first segment of the newscast, the, w- the WHHI TV Daily News, now airing, it's recorded five days a week, now airing seven days a week, with uh, the Friday airing getting re-aired on Saturday and Sunday now officially as of the last couple of weeks. Um, it's just awesome. I, I love going out and being part of the live action with, with football and basketball and, you know, Getting, getting the true stories. I, I mean, I love calling the games, that type of thing, but getting the true stories about the people behind the people and uh, seeing them in action and calling calling great sports. Absolutely love it. Dennison had a triple-double, 
He had the kind of body that could have got oh. him to a D1 school for free. And he's going to MIT for brains. And his dad's an assistant coach with the girls for Allison. His brother graduated last year. They get the inside stuff, you know, the Amad Rashad-style scoop on some of these. Um, again, they're local athletes, but it's local journalism. And we respect the heck out of these athletes and the families and community that supports them. And to get to participate around that for us is a type of invigoration that uh, I think a lot of people describe as religion. I, I think it's really fun to be around it. It's an infection. It's, it's a poison or an infection, depending on how you look at it. High school sports, they're addictive. To Jeremy Pope, Maria Soden, Larry Jackamot, to you, Kevin, um, Jessa Jeremiah, Lisa Richardson. want to thank Joseph Keith as well. Unfortunately, we didn't have him out and about for basketball, but he's a big asset, you know, We've had some interns that helped out with football. Daniel Court, uh, to everybody, certainly our anchors that helped get us going, to the sales staff. Obviously, I, I thanked everybody at length, but just to everybody, thank you very much. We couldn't do this without you. Um, it's, it's amazing and uh, so fortunate and, and most importantly, so blessed to be able to have this opportunity as well. It's just, it's just great, and, uh, and I love it. So we're, we're looking forward to bigger and, and better things, and, uh, and certainly some, some definite stuff could be down the pike, uh, more news as, as it continues. We'll definitely have more updates on, on some things that could be happening here soon. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Major League Baseball before I literally start welling up and crying. Um, just very, very blessed. What's, what's going on with... Uh, Major League Baseball spring training. You talk about drama. New rules, Marcus. They're trying to kill us with these rules. These ghost runners, they're here for good. These bases are enormous. Not really. There's been some great internet memes of how big the bases are getting. But yeah, slightly larger bases. Uh, if you haven't been following the game, there's DH everywhere now. Everywhere. Um, it's fascinating. Like The National League is traditionally the league of pitching and uh, finesse baseball and bunting, etc. They have all these giant ballparks. And uh, now with the DH, you see a team like the Phillies with a terrible defensive percentage paying all these knockers to come in and with an 80, whatever, almost $85 million salary, like your Cleveland Guardians, um, making it all the way to a series. And so it's, it's the game is changing. It's becoming more offensive focused with this designated hitter uh, on base percentage is less important relative to things like uh, slugging percentage. Um, the nerds win. Baseball's back. Hope springs eternal. And spring training is right around the corner. The trucks have left the station. I got a buddy that works for the Cubs, and they are full-blown getting these kids uh, that aren't playing the World Baseball Classic good to go in spring training. Looks awesome. They're down in Mesa, Arizona. Um, but to shout-out to everybody in Fort Myers and everybody else that's uh, enjoying some nice weather, baseball's coming. It's, can you hear it? It's the slow churn of the baseball train. Chugga, 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 chugga. Baseball is coming. Baseball is coming. Pitchers and catchers will soon report. I think a lot of them already have. That was a, a very animated and, and very well-detailed synopsis and menagerie of information that you just gave. Outstanding stuff. Kev, what, what do you think about Boston's outlook? I know I asked you this you know, last time we did this a few weeks ago, but Boston's outlook in uh, the AL East. I love everything they did. Like I get it. I'm a fan. I'm in the homer stage of like, this is great. I wanted veteran pitching without long-term contracts. We got it. I'm really excited. Like, Chris Sale looks like he might be a functional pitcher. Um, I really like the guy we got, Kluba, because I remember his time with your Guardians. 
Um, you know, beyond that, we let go of Michael Waka, who was our most productive pitcher. That one hurts. I have to do it. Waka Waka. Odd crowd, yeah, stiff crowd. Uh, waka Waka. Um, that was better. I was I was too high, believe it or not. I try for you, my friend. Too, too high a pitch. Yes, yes, just a bit outside. Yeah. Um, no, I'm stoked for my Red Sox, man. Duvall, we can throw him around the outfield and the corners and the edges. The great thing about edge outfielders is they have the ability to mash, especially in small American League ballparks, and we play all of our games in Yankee Stadium and Oriole Park, um, if not, you know, uh, Toronto. It, it's just great because we can play old-school Red Sox baseball, which is uh, terrible bullpen unless we buy somebody at the end of the year. Um, decent upfront starting pitching that you know hopefully keeps us above 500, and then just some knockers that'll get us decent one through seven at bats. So the same thing we're buying out like you know a great defensive shortstop or a catcher to bat in the seven eight nine slots while these guys are hopefully hitting like professional baseball hitters. Um, we pay enough money for them in Boston. You know it's I'm not saying anyone deserves to win, but we pay these guys hundreds of millions of dollars to go mash that you know use the stick mash. I'm pumped for my Red Sox. I think we might have a 500 team. Can't wait. And my Guardians, I'm very excited for them as well. I've had, you know, other things and other sports to to cover definitely more in depth. But spring training games, at least for Cleveland, start next Saturday against the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, so it's that time. Um, It's going to be great here in Hammy and the old Rosebud back on the airwaves again. Um, And it's I think it's going to be a great season. Cleveland making the couple of moves that they did. They have a lot of flexibility within their starting rotation and just pitchers out of, you know, the realm of reach, I'll say. They've got so many talented pitchers that I think they have a chance to be really, really good um, in terms of that. A couple of big question marks go with the end of their starting rotation in Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali, but... I love the couple of moves that they've made, and they've got a great core. If they can just build a little bit off last year, man, oh, man, has a chance to be a really fun year. We'll uh, we'll definitely give our predictions, our predictions, that is, and our, our picks and whatnot in the next couple of shows because games, you know, don't start for another few weeks for real. Um, so we'll definitely touch on that. Um have some stuff to talk about in terms of music again, as I mentioned earlier in the monologue, as it continues and whatnot for me. Um, Want to give a quick shout out, and I mentioned my uh, my family stuff again. I knocked I knocked my glasses with the microphone. Um, I mentioned you know my family hanging out with with me and and did a little ode to them and and all of that earlier. But I want to give a shout out to a new fan. That would be one Sam Wolf, Samantha Wolf. I I refer to her as Sam. She uh she and I were texting just the other day, and she said I'll definitely have to listen to the pat uh, the podcast. So Sam, hoping you're having a great day, and uh, again a beautiful day. I did a little weather report earlier. Skies are still blue, sun is still out, birds are still chirping, spring is. Right around the corner. I mean, really, it's spring a lot of the time here, um, but it's a it's a great time of year, and uh, it's it's been a a great week and a great last couple of weeks. Kev, what what do you have on your agenda here in the next couple of weeks? Oh well, President's Day is upcoming, and as someone who often works in the bank, day off. 
Free day. So if it's like it was on your day off when you went to the beach the middle of the week, got some 70s and sun, oh boy, I'll take that. And uh, to Sam Wolf, welcome. No need to be a lone wolf. Welcome to our world of uh, sports aficionados. Welcome. That's terrific. That's really well done. Um, anything else that you want to uh, add to the to the show here? It's it's flying by. If we're talking community and the people around us, um, Mike Trichette is getting married. Here in uh, we've we've had Mike on the show here in just a few months. May the 6th, it'll be here before we know it. Fans of the show know Mike well. He's a New York sports fan. Oh, the endurance of having to put up with a New York sports fan. we got to have him back before uh, this, you know, these next couple ones because he's such a great baseball head. Great, great idea. Um, actually, kind of looking at the schedule or calendar, as it were, um, if you don't mind, Kev, getting the... Uh, the start of the Major League Baseball season, their calendar and and schedule up to see when games actually start because it would be a good idea to have a little around the corner around the horn with the three of us um, March thirtieth. So we're looking a good about six weeks. Um, it'd be definitely good to to crank out our predictions before then, have him join us at least for that segment. Um, that'd be be a lot of fun to get his take on, on what he thinks teams will do, and I'm sure he thinks the Yankees are going to have a, a fighting chance, and and they certainly do uh, for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's for sure. Anything to add, good sir? It's just always good to be with you, Marcus. It's the same Likewise. thing. But I said at the last uh, uh, show, good Lord, the last game of the year before we started, it's just nice to have the privilege of doing what we get to do. Um, It's important for us to remember how lucky we are to be doing what we're doing. Um, Because by gum, it's a mad world. And um, it's just great to be with you, Marcus. You you make my day nice. Couldn't have said it better myself. Always a pleasure getting together with you and talking shop and hanging out and, uh, and all of that. Hope everybody's having a great weekend. For Larry Giacomo with the videos, for TBMM, Tyler Brown, Multimedia Productions. For all of us here at the Marcus Walsh Show, for Kevin Libby, I'm Marcus Walsh. Hope everybody has a great rest of their day and weekend and enjoy. And we'll be back soon to talk a whole lot more sports and, uh, and everything else in 2023 as the year continues to roll on. This has been the Marcus Walsh Show. Until next time, so long, everybody. Peanut butter jelly sandwich is a sandwich. A hot dog is not a sandwich, in my opinion. It is a meat inside of a bun, but it does not qualify as a sandwich. It's its own thing. It's its own category.